We're talking the old internet and the new internet on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from beautiful Alexandria, Virginia, just south of the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. To my left is the incomparable Dylan Lewis. How are you today, sir? Doing all right, Sean. Ready to talk some big tech? Uh, Yeah, so a couple of big deals coming up. Um, Actually, before we get into, um, uh, you know, if you're just joining us, we're going to talk about the AOL Verizon buyout and then, of course, uh, recent moves by Facebook and its quest for world domination. Um, but uh, before we sat down here, we got a notification that um, Carl Icahn himself, the uh, uh, formerly an 80s buyout titan, now just hedge fund manager guy, is investing $100 million in Lyft. Yeah, interesting move. Um, Icahn is notoriously loud. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what he does starting, oh, I don't know, tomorrow about Uber's. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Uber had a big enough target on its back before Carl Icahn invested yeah. in Lyft. Like now, it's going to be really interesting this to watch is, that space. Every day he's going to be tweeting like Uber's the worst people in the world. <laughs> da 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 da. Yeah. The um and I can't believe I don't. What does that? Did you catch what uh, Lyft got valued at then? Because they raised 150 million and he was 100. Because Uber just got valued at 50 billion dollars. That's a five followed by a zero followed by nine more zeros. And anyway, yeah. So uh, late last week, uh, big news: AOL finally managed to sell themselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fifteen years after the merger, it's right? it's been a fun fact. The uh, so this is they they're selling to Verizon mm-hmm. and uh, for four point four billion dollars in stock, and uh, this is considerably smaller than the first AOL merger back in the nineties when they merged with Time Warner, and that was one hundred and sixty five billion. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing how uh, their business has changed quite a bit since then. Very much so. Um, so, yeah, what did you think when you heard this? Because you were just like, well, it's tough because like you always, I forget about AOL all the time, you know, because it is like that old internet. And yet, it was how we first got on the internet. But. Yeah, and uh, like you'd made that joke that um, Verizon really wanted the two million dial-up customers that AOL still has. Yeah, I don't know if our <laughs> listeners know this, but there there are three hundred sixty-five million Americans, and two million of them still have AOL dial-up. I don't know where they are, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're guessing like remote areas of the country. Yeah, like Upper <laughs> Maine or something. Anyway, um, fun fact: the bankers, the investment bankers working on the deal for Verizon, had the code name of Project Hanks, a nod to the '90s romantic comedy "You've Got Mail." Oh man, yeah. Well, I guess you got to have some fun when you're working on so, projects yeah. like that. <laughs> somebody, 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 find out what Meg Ryan thinks about all this. Um, so if they're not going after the dial-up customers, what, what is the play here with this deal, Sean? Okay, so um, the they interviewed Tim Armstrong, the CEO of AOL, and he kudos to the guy. I mean, this stock was at twenty bucks, now it's at fifty. When he he actually made two hundred million dollars because he kept buying this whole time. But um, he said, if you look at AOL over the last five years, we turned the company around. We outperformed the S and P. And we made AOL as possibly as big could uh, as big as it possibly could be in today's landscape. But if you look forward five years, you're going to be in a space where there is a massive global scale networks, and there's no better partner for us to go forward than Verizon. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's about content. It's obviously a little bit different, but it's kind of like Comcast buying NBC. This is a uh, instance of distribution buying content, and that's kind of where the future is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what exactly do they have in terms of content? Huffington Post, of course. Um, <laughs> no, it basically the real reason, in my opinion, that Verizon's doing this because they've got AOL's basically made a new business not out of dial-up customers, sorry, <laughs> but off of being really, really good at ads. Okay, they own a bunch of media properties and they are very, very good at targeting the ads. And 
I, I read one analyst saying this is basically Verizon's way of getting really good ad technology. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so are they going to be pushing that then to yes. uh, wireless <laughs> subscribers? Is that yeah. the play? Yeah. That's the evil scheme, I think. Hmm. Um, and uh, the AOL's really perfected their ad technology over the last five years. That's what the, the company was able to turn around. I don't think they'll keep a, a couple of the media properties, but the ad technology and the patents and all that stuff, that's what the Verizon's after, and that's what they paid $4.4 billion for. Yeah. And, I mean, the market obviously was happy, uh, people holding AOL. Uh, there was a nice little pop there Yeah, uh, right up to about what the acquisition price is going to be. Uh, do you see anything in terms of what the reaction was for Verizon? The stock was down negligibly, like 1%, or it, just, it didn't even matter. But, um, yeah, Verizon CEO liked it. He was like, you know, Verizon's vision is to provide customers the premium digital experience based on a global multi-screen, multi-screen network platform. This acquisition supports our strategy to provide a cross-screen connection to our customers, creators, and advertisers to deliver a premium customer experience. Um, if you look at the industry going forward five or ten years, the internet and just what people are allowed to do just with content or whatever is coming increasingly commoditized. We could spend, let's say we, you and I both lived in 90, we could spend the rest of our lives watching content on Amazon and Netflix and stuff like that. Yeah. You can just go nuts. And they need to differentiate themselves and really have a great experience. And that's what Verizon's trying to do. Hmm. So Very interesting. And uh, moving on to the big news of the day. Oh, man. Well, I guess this is kind of a content play, too. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Why don't you tell us what Facebook is doing? <laughs> so on Wednesday of this week, uh, Facebook rolled out its instant articles uh, feature to mobile. Uh, and when, you, when you sent this to me, the, the Imperial March just popped <laughs> into my mind, and I pictured like Darth Vader flipping through his phone on Facebook, just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, this is specifically for iOS. Uh, there isn't um, any Android functionality at the moment, uh, but basically. Uh, Facebook, always looking to become more efficient, uh, provide a better user experience, realized that uh, linking out to stories, so you know, clicking on one of their lovely presented icons and linking out to like CNN or something like that, uh, would take an average of eight seconds uh, to load um, you know, on a mobile experience. Uh, it's the slowest single content type on their platform. And so they wanted to create a more seamless user experience. And so they partnered up with uh, content providers uh, currently nine, uh, mostly news networks, um, you know, some other more internet content stuff like BuzzFeed, things like that. Um, and they have these, what they're calling instant articles, um, which are Facebook hosted. And uh, they are in the skin of the content provider. So New York Times, National Geographic, uh, they have full control over that. But it is hosted on Facebook. The, when, I, when you first told me this, I immediately realized this was bad for Twitter. Yeah, because yeah. that is the one thing that Twitter had on all the other social media networking apps was just that people like scroll through their Twitter and just get a feel for what's going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I use it for. Um, and I don't know that this is going to be like an overnight news revolution. You know, there, there's still quite a bit uh, of a ways to go. I know that most of the partners that are involved with this and just to give you a feel for who's uh, some of the big names. Uh, New York Times, as I mentioned, uh, National Geographic, BuzzFeed, NBC News, The Atlantic, Guardian, BBC News, uh, a couple others. But all the but big- if something happens on planet Earth, those portals pretty much <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and they are, um, you know, like New York Times is uh, nation's paper record. You know? Right. So, I mean, it, it is the major players in the news space that you want to have involved. Um, and I'll, I'll get to the Twitter impact in a little bit, but I think it's important to note that in order to court these nine partners, Facebook gave up a lot. Um, really? Yeah. So they approached these uh, about 20 content providers in August 
And so Zuckerberg knocks on the New York Times <laughs> door and says what? Uh, hey, this is what we're looking to do. We want to provide content on Facebook. Um, and the New York Times said, okay, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. So so I have the most insight from their meetings with BuzzFeed. And um, you know, BuzzFeed said, yeah, we're on board. This is something we're interested in. Uh, and they basically gave them uh, like seven points that they needed to hit for this to make sense for BuzzFeed. And they said they need compatibility with Comscore traffic measurement, compatibility with Google Analytics to understand their audience. Um, GA has to work, Google Analytics has to work across all of its content. Uh, they need compatibility with BuzzFeed's internal analytics tool. Uh, control of design uh, to make it look like it's in the content publisher's skin. Uh, ability to work with uh, BuzzFeed on special formats, things like quizzes, um, you know, slideshows, things like that. And, of course, monetization, the big deal. And Facebook came back in January and said, yep, we can do all that. Wow. Do you know how there, anybody's getting compensated at all? Is it just a penny per whatever or what? Uh, I don't have a per-click type thing. Okay. But, um, that is how it's being compensated? I, I believe so. Yeah, because okay. it, it's all ad-based. And so um, what they have published is the ad splits. And so if the content providers um, sell their own ads, then they are receiving 100% of that ad share. Okay. And if they use um, Facebook's audience network, uh, Facebook will keep um, – Thirty percent, and then publisher so will take seventy percent. You know, you were running down those bullets, and none of them sounded like anything that Mark Zuckerberg and company would object to, because that's not what they want. They want Facebook to be the place you go for news and everything else. Yeah. The other thing that I was blown away with was there's no exclusivity with this. Really? Yeah. So it's not like uh, Nat Geo puts out this really in-depth spread on bee populations. And, and it only goes to and Facebook. And you can only yeah. get it on Facebook. No, like, it's available on that geo, too. Um, but on the flip side, Facebook has a billion users, so right, right. maybe and it so, doesn't matter. So this totally makes sense for Facebook, but um, you know, usually when you see... That's a big win for New York Times, right? Well, it depends. So I think this makes a lot of sense for certain publishers. Um and just to give you some context, Nat Geo said that about 25% of their traffic comes from Facebook. And granted, some of that's desktop, not all of that's mobile, and this is specifically targeting mobile right now. Um, is it good for publishers? I think it depends on the publisher's business model. So if it's an ad-supported model, uh, something like BuzzFeed, heck yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, this is awesome. Uh, you know, like, they're expanding their exposure. Uh, they're not losing any of the content. They're just pretty much giving it another avenue. And um, and they're leveraging Facebook's ad platform. Um, and the users get a fat. You're talking about eight second load times. It's a better experience. Yeah, and I mean the experience on fa- it's sexy. Like I was I was yeah. playing I was playing around in it before. And um, yeah, what were you showing me? The the gyroscope knows when you're looking at something. And- yeah. So there's some very cool functionality with this. Um, and I think they're just trying to give a fully interactive article experience. But, um, you know, they have some interactive maps, audio captions to accompany articles. Um, they have audio uh, audio play videos. And I think one of the coolest things, and this is something that Facebook kind of ported over from um, its page application, is uh, this zoom and tilt functionality that uses the gyroscopic sensors in an iPhone to kind of uh, almost like a periscope if you were looking around in a lens if you were zoomed in on a video. On like a video on National Geographic or something. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, so there's a lot of really awesome stuff here for publishers. I think where um, where some outlets are a little wary is that if you're subscription-based, this is tough. 
because you're giving away some of your content, arguably, you know, some of for your free. some of your better content, yeah, uh, for free. And so you have people like New York Times that are a little cautious about that. I mean, they're involved, and I think most of the publishers have said that you know they're only going to be doing like a couple articles a week, but. It, you have to question, like, is it worth it to be giving away? There's a cost-benefit, because if you're New York Times, like, it's 2015 and newspapers are dying, <laughs> so you don't want your brand to go away, so you do this, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, Nat Geo's the same way. And yeah. uh, I saw one of their first ones, you know, I think Facebook said they can have two, two to three ads for 500 words. And uh, one of the full features that they put on there... Uh, I, all the ads were for Nat Geo membership. So hmm. if you choose to do it that way, you can. You're foregoing ad revenue. Right. But if uh, if some of these outlets want to try to push to digital media subscriptions or you know physical paper subscriptions, that's something they can do. Wow. So, okay, so bring it back around. Uh, do I need to sell my hypothetical <laughs> Twitter shares? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's interesting with Twitter. Um like I said, the scale isn't quite there for Facebook, you know, because I, I don't think publishers are going to go crazy with this. I think it's going to be something they slowly roll out and see what happens. Um, something that's interesting is the reporter's byline uh, on the pages links to the Facebook profile of the writer. Of the writer. So yeah. if we wrote an Yeah, okay. And so you're seeing Facebook start to creep in and create this uh, this whole ecosystem, right? And like something that we've joked about is that, like, people confusing facebook for the internet you know yeah in our internet.org discussion yeah yeah and the, the, the troubles that come with that um and something that i've noticed isn't linked <laughs> with these uh these instant articles is twitter accounts and you know typically like if you go to buzzfeed or something else you know like there's a you got like five buttons at the bottom yeah, yeah. like tweet twitter, this option Buzz- yeah and it's from what i've read online um you can share articles to other platforms uh in playing around with it it wasn't particularly easy to do. So, you know, I don't know whether that's by design or yeah. if that's, you know, just something that... Did you do, like, a copy thing on your phone and try I, to paste? I guess that's the way you have to do it because if you just go to share, it's sharing within Facebook. It's not sharing Man. within Facebook. So um, there's some reason for concern. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it depends on what publisher reaction is with this and whether they're seeing the benefits. If they are, then, you know, Twitter might have to worry a little bit. The the evil empire is expanding. That's yeah. what I think. <laughs> anyway, very good. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Dylan. That was a good stuff. Always a pleasure, Sean. Well, that's it for us, Fools. Before we go, I want to make our listeners aware of a special offer for all of our industry-focused listeners for a subscription to Motley Fool's top-performing stock advisor newsletter. It is was created over 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom, uh, Tom and David Gardner. Head over to focus.fool.com to learn more about this special offer. You will get two free stock picks each, uh, each month chosen by our team of analysts. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! <laughs>